And welcome back. This is the Daily Buddhism Audio Show number 58. My name is Brian Shell, and I'm your host for the show. You can find the text, as well as all links mentioned in this program and all past episodes, on the website at www.dailybuddhism.com. Okay, a couple quick announcements. First, the big one. My work schedule has gotten very full, and is still picking up. So between that and the nice weather, my writing time is getting more and more scarce. So for the next six weeks or so, the daily email newsletters will be changing to about every other day delivery. Now don't panic, the show's not going away. Although with fewer newsletter emails each week, I'm going to have to switch to doing the podcast every other week until my schedule reverts back to normal. Now, I expect my schedule to change completely again toward the end of June, so things should go back to normal then. So, for the next six weeks, expect a show and email schedule to get a little bit irregular. But stick with me. Things will straighten out once I get adjusted my new schedule. Most importantly, keep those letters and questions coming in. Also, guest posts will be even more welcome than ever. So, if you're interested in writing something, drop me an email. And of course, our sponsor this week is, once again, Mighty Leaf Tea. They've got dozens of different teas for your enjoyment, both hot and cold. They have all the basic teas that you'd ever want, but they also carry tea accessories, teapots, cups, and much more. Check them out for your favorite Buddhist tea ceremony supplies, or just because you love the taste. Get special deals and free sample teas by visiting www.dailybuddhism.com tea. And now, let's get on with this week's show. Okay, first of all, we had some amazing responses this week to some of these emails. Had several very good questions that brought on a lot of comments. So if you've never checked the website or the blog comments before, this week would be a great time to do it, because there's some really good stuff on there. Okay, the first question is from a reader and involves dealing with hatred. Here we go. Hi, Brian. I've been tumbling this in my head. One of the strongest tenets in Buddhism I agree with is ending suffering, both for the self and others. It's been a core part of my spiritual path as I've started transitioning from female to male. I've been lucky that many are supportive, even if they do not understand or necessarily agree with my decision. They do realize that the person inside this shell is still the same person in the old shell, and this is something that I felt I had to do. It took me a good three years of debating whether transitioning was my path or not. But I have started to face more and more discrimination and hate. A lot less than many trans women face, like Angie Zapata. Now, I totally respect those that feel this isn't their path, but often have a hard time coming to terms with the violence and hate that is thrown at myself and others who find this as their only salvation from suffering. Certainly, one could have a debate that the body is nothing more than property and an attachment, but it does, in my opinion, go deeper than that. I try to view in my head that perhaps some experience in their past has them being angry and hateful towards others they did not understand, respect, or otherwise. But there are times when I cannot come to terms as to how much pain they admit. 
How does one come to terms with this and help the other person relieve their own suffering from hate and anger? I know I cannot force them to realize that this is a personal path that has no direct effect on their life, but often their hate has a direct effect on mine. Some might say that not transitioning would stop their pain. This is not family, friends, or colleagues, but rather strangers in society at large. But that, in turn, creates more suffering for me. I'm at a loss and can only turn my cheek so many times before I give up. How can I deal with this in Buddhism? Okay, and I will start my answer with a quote from Buddha. Holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. You are the one that gets burned. Okay, well this is one of those things that I just don't understand. How someone else's sexual orientation, which I do realize is not precisely the right term, matters to anyone else is just beyond me. Now, I can understand someone reacting with either acceptance or even revulsion. Either could be a valid response. But I really just don't get anger and violence for something like this. Now, almost every reference I could find about hate and violence for situations such as you describe are concerned with the Buddhist's own internal hatred and how to deal with it, not necessarily being hated by others. But here's one story that does apply. On one occasion, the Buddha was invited by the Brahman, Bharadvaja, for alms to his house. As invited, the Buddha visited the house of the Brahman. Instead of entertaining him, the Brahman poured forth a torrent of abuse with the filthiest of words. The Buddha politely inquired, Do visitors come to your house, good Brahman? Well, yes, he replied. What do you do when they come? Oh, we prepare a sumptuous feast. What do you do if they refuse to take the meal? Why, we gladly partake of them ourselves. Well, good Brahman, you have invited me for alms and entertained me with abuse, which I decline to accept. So now it belongs to you. Okay, well, as you see, the Buddha did not retaliate, but politely gave back what the Brahman had given him. Retaliate or not, the Buddha advised, hatred does not cease through hatred, but through love alone they cease. So essentially, this is one more way of saying turn the other cheek. I'm sure you already know that this is the best policy, but unfortunately it doesn't really help much when you are the target of hatred. And I was going to end my answer there, but it bothered me all weekend as being woefully inadequate for the problem he described. This person is hated for what he is, not anything he's done. I felt there had to be a better answer. I couldn't think of anything on my own, so I asked the following question on Twitter to see what came up. And I asked, How do you deal with hatred directed at you from others when turning the other cheek seems inadequate? And as is usually the case with Twitter, I quickly got about 20 or 30 very short little answers. I'm not going to read them here, but if you want to check out the show no the link at the show notes, I've got them all on the website, and you can read what they had to say. It's a pretty good variety of little bits of advice, and of course there were some much longer comments after the article on the site. As always, feel free to add your advice and suggestions in the comment section there as well. And then it was koan time as usual. 
This time was called Sleeping in the Daytime. The master Soyen Shaku passed from this world when he was 61 years of age. Fulfilling his life's work, he left a great teaching, far richer than most Zen masters. His pupils used to sleep in the daytime during midsummer, and while he overlooked this, he himself never wasted a minute. When he was but about 12 years old, he was already studying Tendai philosophical speculation. One summer day, the air had been so hot, so sultry, that little Soyen stretched his legs and went to sleep while his teacher was away. Three hours passed when, suddenly waking, he heard his master enter. But it was too late. There he lay, sprawled across the doorway. Oh, I beg your pardon, I beg your pardon, his teacher whispered, stepping carefully over Soyen's body as if it were that of some distinguished guest. After this, Soyen never slept again in the afternoon. And then we had another reader question. And this one turned into probably the most commented upon question we've ever had on the site. At least it was the busiest question on the same day it was posted. So there was a lot of interest in this one. A reader wrote in, For those of us who come from a spiritual tradition where there's a concept of a personal god, or divas, saints, etc., Buddhism can seem very cold and lonely. It's just our mind and this thing called karma. No beginning, no end. It's austere, to say the least. Sometimes, when life is not going well, it's comforting to think that there is a spiritual presence somewhere, a higher power, if you will, to whom we can turn, to unburden our hearts or to ask for help, whatever that means. Now, I'm sure to some Buddhist practitioners, this seems a shortcoming on the part of those of us who can't cut it as Buddhists. We still want the warm fuzzies of a personal God. Well, why not? Is there a valid expression of this personal higher power in traditional Buddhism without resorting to folk religion and superstition? And my answer, I know what you mean. This was originally one of my own issues back when I first started looking into Buddhism myself. There was even a period of nearly a year when I gave up Buddhism and went back to Christianity. And this was probably the biggest reason at the time. When you're used to walking with God, and knowing that you'll never walk alone, and similar ideas, it's hard to give that up and take complete responsibility for yourself. After all, you're just one person. How can that possibly compare to having God on your side? Well, all I can say is that after time, it gets easier. In my own case, I found that meditation helped quite a lot. In a way, becoming one with everything does indeed offset not having a personal God. You are the God in one sense. And in another sense, you're nothing at all. But with enough meditation, your outlook on many things will change. Still, that may not be the perfect solution for everyone. I'm very interested to hear what our readers have to say about this, especially those who converted into Buddhism rather than being born into it. Did you have issues of this nature? And if so, how did you deal with them? Post your comments on the website or send me an email. And as I said, they did. There were 20 or 30 comments within a few hours of this article going up. A lot of people had some strong opinions on it. So check that out. It's definitely worth a read. 
And then we ended the week with another question from a reader. And this person wrote in saying, I am very new to the podcast, and I'm currently downloading as many past shows as my computer will allow. I'm also a new Zen Buddhist after researching the different sects. Well, I have yet to sit formally with a Sangha, as I am not near a Zen center. I am moving to Calgary, Alberta for college this fall, and have found Zen there, and plan to make myself known to the Sangha there, and absorb as much information and gain as much information and experience to continue and further my training. But my situation is very common. I'm currently living with my parents in the lead-up to starting school in a different city, and have found myself missing my privacy, although my parents are not intrusive. But I find I practice in private and have not really come out as a Buddhist. I'm finding it hard to practice behind closed doors and hide my altar. After watching my sister convert to Judaism from Christianity, I do not wish to cause emotional pain or suffering to my parents. I read that the Buddha would not accept students without their parents' permission. While I've taken a long time to ask, I'm wondering if Zen teachers uphold this, and also, should I just bite the bullet and talk to my family? Okay, well, my answer is that Buddha had cultural reasons for asking for the parents' permission. Often, the child was needed to support the family. You don't have that restriction. Okay, on to the main question, which I can't answer directly as I don't know your individual family. But you stated that your sister's conversion to Judaism caused some friction within the family. So I must assume that your conversion to Buddhism would too, and you're hoping to avoid the inevitable battle. I also assume that your parents are reasonably devout Christians, although it's not really a requirement for them to be super religious to have this argument. Unlike God-based religions, there is no judgmental God to strike you down if you deny him. So there is no mortal danger in keeping it from your parents if you choose to continue doing so. Now that being said, keeping secrets can damage your karma in the long term. And hiding the truth is going to cause you a certain amount of guilt and mental suffering. It's almost certainly better just to be open with it. But the trick is in minimizing the impact the revelation will have. If you simply walk in the front door and announce, Guess what? I'm converting to Buddhism they're probably going to freak out. Now, if it were me, I'd ease them into the idea slowly. Let them see you reading a book on Buddhism. Maybe use it as an excuse to explain some things to them about what Buddhism is all about. Oh, hey, did you know that Buddhists believe? Fill in the blank here. Well, get them to the point where they're comfortable talking about the subject, at least, and subtly teach them a few of the basics so they at least know what That means when you say you're a Buddhist. Lay the groundwork. Eventually, when the time is right, and the time will eventually present itself, tell them you consider yourself a Buddhist. And that wraps up episode 58. If you have a question on any Buddhism-related topic, or if you'd like to do a guest post for the show, Send in your questions or information by email to brian at dailybuddhism.com or phone them in 24 hours a day at our voicemail hotline at 937-660-4949 or post them in the comment section of any individual blog post. 
If you found any part of this podcast especially interesting, be sure to check out the comments section beneath each individual weblog post for that article. There are often many excellent comments by readers that add significantly to what I've said. Now, the Daily Buddhism runs primarily from your donations, and it's easy to help out. Just go to www.dailybuddhism.com slash donate and click on one of the options there. You can donate as little as $1 or as much as you'd like. If you choose a recurring $5 a month donation level, you'll get a free subscription to the monthly Buddhism PDF magazine. But anything you send is appreciated and helpful. Keep in mind that the Daily Buddhism daily email newsletter is completely free. All you need to do is go to the site and sign up. And so, I will see you next week.